Hello, welcome once again to Reason for Hope. We're very glad that you are joining us this Friday here in Tucson, Arizona. Reason for Hope is an hour-long live broadcast, which is guided and dedicated uh, to your questions on the Bible. That's right, we're here to delve into Scripture to answer your questions on the Bible, whether it's maybe a specific verse or passage of Scripture that you'd like expounded upon, or maybe something you're going through in your life, you'd like a biblical perspective, or maybe one of the many things going on in the world today, you'd like a biblical prophetic point of view on that. Really, any question, uh, an honest question we appreciate, and one that you know we're going to delve into the Bible to find the, the answers for. That's what we're all about here at Reason for Hope. So we're very glad you're joining us. You can send your questions in on multiple live platforms. Wherever you're joining us, there's a chat function or some way to send the questions in. My name's Dave Robson. I'll be hosting and fielding those questions as they come on in. So we're very glad that you're there, the viewer, joining us and being part of the broadcast with us today. Once again, father and son team, Pastor Sean Richards over here to my left, your right. How are you doing today? Good. I found out that I can jump higher than most buildings. How is that so? Most buildings can't jump. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Got that one. That's good. Walked right into that. That's right on my level. <laughs> we don't rehearse this or anything. No, it's just straight off the cuff. That's so, right. Also, spontaneity is our <laughs> most important product. Yes, it is. That's all we got. That's all we got around yeah. here. Also, uh, Pastor Scott Richards, he's a senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. How are you doing? Fantastic. I'm looking forward to uh, how the Lord leads and guides on the program today. Yep. We never know. We yeah. never know where it's going to go. It's based on your questions. So. That's right. Yep. And it's Friday again. I can't believe I always say it. Friday, just, they roll around. Uh, but here we are once again. As I mentioned, uh, Reason for Hope is uh, outreach. We're here Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Tucson, Arizona. But of course, wherever you join us all around the world through the internet, I don't know what time it is for you, but we're very glad that you are joining us. And uh, again, please uh, be sending us in your questions as we go along. You can go to our, our website, Calvary Christian Fellowship. They're at calvarychristianfellowship.com. Uh, Reason for Hope is an outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson, Arizona. So if you keep that in mind as you're trying to find us, it'll be easier to find us there. But we encourage you to use our website. We have the most control over that. It's a great home base for you. If you just click on that Watch Live tab right there, it will take you to our live page. The direct link for that is ccftucson.online.church. Uh, but you can follow the link as I mentioned from the website. When we're off air, you'll see a countdown to our next broadcast and you'll see a schedule of shows coming up, not only A Reason for Hope, but our services here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. We have a Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m., currently going through the book of Ezekiel. And Sunday morning, we have three services currently going through the book of Acts. We are Calvary Chapel Church, so most commonly you'll find we go book by book and verse by verse and chapter by chapter and all that good stuff. So once again, ccftucson.online.church. That's a great place to join us. We are on Facebook as well, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. Please do like and share if you've been blessed by this ministry. If you haven't, then don't like and share. That's fine too. Uh, but we'd love to reach out to uh, people in your sphere of influence as well. So don't forget to just share us around. We'd love to just widen that outreach. Facebook.com slash ccftucson there on Facebook. We have an app as well for your mobile device and a channel on Roku and Apple TV because we're really fancy. So if you have a smart TV or one of those devices, look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson and download our app. And that's another way that you can not only view, but interact with us during the live show as well. Uh, YouTube's a great place to go for archive. All the live shows are archived there. If you go to A Reason for Hope, that's the name of the channel. Click on that live tab and that's where you'll find 
all of our previous live shows. And you can review questions we've gone over if you missed the show, but also our services here, Calvary Christian Fellowship. That's youtube.com slash at reason for hope five four six. So once again, just search for a reason for hope and you will find us there. Once again, don't forget to, to like and subscribe and click that bell. That means you get notified when we're live. You get a little notification. And um, we'd appreciate that as well. Uh, Pastor Scott Richards here is on Twitter. You can follow along with him, Scott R4H. He posts uh, kind of questions, highlight to, highlighted questions from the show. He posts commentary on world events and news things and things going on in the world, which at the moment, as you know, many wondrous things going on. Yeah, <laughs> it's been exciting um, and definitely calls for prayer to follow along. So follow along with Scott on Twitter if you're on Twitter yourself. And finally, our email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can email us there anytime. If you're listening on the radio, you'll want to use that email address because you are listening to a pre-recorded version of the show, but everywhere else we are actually live. So once again, questionsforhope at gmail.com, questionsforhope at gmail.com. That's all the ways you can join us. Once again, send your questions in. Uh, send them in early. We do sometimes run out of time, so appreciate you getting those questions in early. I will put them in a nice list and throw them out to these fine gentlemen. And we would like to pray at this point and ask the Lord to bless our time and to speak, like you say, Sean, more than we do. So who's, who's going to take it? Why don't you who's pray that? for us? Happy to. That'd be great. Dad, thank you that we have the chance to be here. Please be here as well to not only give us the strength, but the joy of getting to share your word with your people. Give us ears to hear and hearts ready to receive what you've spoken plainly throughout the ages and allow us to apply it to our lives today in a way that brings a smile to your face. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. Amen. 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 Well, so starting off. Yeah, unless you have something to, to update or share, I do have a question that was left over from the other day, if you'd like and to tackle a question that. on our website as well. Oh, yeah. there's one come in already? Yep. Wow. Doesn't take, doesn't take long. Well, good for <laughs> you guys. Well, look at that. Okay, well, from Fernandez, right. that's wonderful. Thank you. Jumping right to the front yeah. of the line. Yeah. Um, how do we know for sure what interpretation of God's word is correct? Could we be wrong about uh, plain sense? Makes uh, sense, sense, lest you seek no other right. sense, lest you believe in nonsense. That yeah. thing. Yes. So how do we know what uh, translation of the Bible Maybe what translation of the Bible do you guys recommend, and how do we know they're accurate? Yeah, there's a, another interesting comment. He's heard someone say, this is coming from a Pentecostal background, if you limit God, then God will limit himself in your life, and you won't see miracles without enough faith. And then knowing that you'll stand before God, now in a lot, not allowing him to perform miracles in your life. It's an interesting uh I guess, dilemma they're trying to set someone up in because if they are against the idea that there is such a thing as a wrong answer to the Bible, that we actually can know what God meant and said and that the things against what God meant and said are, in fact, wrong, in an attempt to broaden the scope of interpretation, they've actually narrowed it into irrelevancy because if, as the villain from the Pixar film uh, Incredible Syndrome said, when everything's right, nothing is. Likewise, when everyone's super, no one is. You get the point. So like we talked about yesterday, the roadrunner tactic, and I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, I think takes care of the faulty assumption in this fairly quickly. It makes me sound smart when it's actually just a simple mistake. If, and this is the argument, you can't know for sure the interpretation of God's word. Well, now it's your turn. When you come up with an interpretation, any interpretation, how do you know that is the right one? 
How do you know that you're limiting God's work in your life with the correct answer as opposed to every answer that he gives? And we certainly don't want to say that when people are brought in application of God's word, that that is somehow misplaced. Obviously, when it comes to even the most well-known Bible passages, John 3.16, there is a definition to that passage, the nature of God's role in salvation, the Son's participation in that in being sent by the Father, and why. But when it comes to its application in our lives, there is, in fact, more than one answer, more than one way to apply that to your life, and they can be correct as long as they're consistent with Scripture. So, for example, if I were to say, oh, John 3.16, this is what it means to me, I'm already on the wrong track because that's a statement of fact. I would not want to stand before God, mind you, and deny the fact that God sent his son and he did so because he loves us. But if I were to then say, well, as far as God sending his son and what that means to me personally, I can say that it is, and this is a correct answer, it shows God's personal involvement in a creation, that there's nothing too small or too big for God to involve himself with, that when he created us, he didn't regret <laughs> that process, that when he proactively saved me, that he made an incredibly high investment in that, a father to send his son. There would be no higher price to pay for someone than that. But all those answers would be correct because they're consistent with what we read in Scripture. What the hyper-charismatic bent on this, and that's your words, not mine, would make the mistake in saying that we want to include new revelation. We want to make sure that God's free to speak new things into our lives, and we would have a disagreement with that as well. Again, I won't uh, send you a layup. I'd like you to share from the heart. But when it comes to this issue, I'll just conclude my answer with this. Be very, very careful when you hear someone arguing in a way where they can't, not that they won't, but they can't play by their own rules. If they put forward something that can't bear the weight of its own assumptions, they're either ill-informed, in which case, why learn from them, or they're manipulating you, in which case, again, why learn from them? One is not going to communicate the truth unless it's by accident. The other is never going to communicate the truth because it doesn't matter to them. Make sure that you're careful for that. But again, just to recap my points, if they put this forward, how do we know that your interpretation is correct? Well, then you can throw that back at them and say, well, how do you know that your interpretation of my interpretation is correct? And suddenly no one knows and what on anyone's goes, talking yeah. about. Yeah. But if, on the other hand, you want to give God enough credit to speak plainly, speak clearly, then we can treat his word like we would any other piece of literature. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and again, the reference, I think... Uh, that was brought up in that question is uh, one that we often bring up when we talk about how to properly understand the message of the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, it's found in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 8. There we read, All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. So, you know, the, the, the principle that we take away from this is that whenever possible, we should, uh, as far as interpretation goes, seek the plain sense that we find in the Bible. Now, there's a big difference, and this is where a lot of confusion comes in, uh, between interpretation and application. Yeah. Uh, when we take a look at a passage and we seek to interpret it, well, that's the process of determining specifically what a passage means 
or even more specifically, what it would have meant to the original audience that was reading it. So uh, to properly interpret a passage of the Bible, we can't just say, well, this is what I think it means, or, or this is what this passage means to me. Uh, we're jumping a few steps ahead in the process when we get to that point of conversation or, dis- or discussion. What we have to do is we have to, like any other piece of literature, take a look at the Bible and uh, apply the cultural, historical, and literal context to the passage. We also have to take a look at the grammar in the passage because that can be quite uh, revealing in, in a scripture. Uh, and uh, the definition of the words as they were used in the original language. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, the, the great example as far as interpretation is concerned is when we find the word love in an English Bible. Well, we tend to process love the way we would process the discussion of love here in English. We have one word uh, that we use, for instance, to describe how we feel about God, uh, how we feel about one another, how a husband feels about a wife, and uh, how about uh, someone who happens to love armor hot dogs, yeah. you know? Uh, same word, right? <laughs> and it's so, the same feeling. Yeah, <laughs> but, and so love in our culture tends to be interpreted more as a feeling. Yeah. So how can we make sure that we're interpreting love in a properly biblical way? Like you mentioned, mm. uh, Sean, in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Well, is that the love that, you know, a husband and wife experience? Is that the love... Uh, that we have for a baseball team? Is it love for armor hot dogs? Is it just a feeling or an emotion? Mm-hmm. No, we go to the scripture to be able to interpret what that word love means. In 1 Corinthians 13, we see how the New Testament defines love. Love is uh, suffers long and is kind. It does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, and so on. Uh, and, and so when we begin to take a look at that, we begin to see that that's a very different kind of love or definition of love than what we're usually used to. And so we need to take what the scripture says about that subject and allow the scripture to interpret itself as much as possible. So that's where like languages come in. And, uh, you know, one of the, the easiest ways I think to uh, ask yourself the question as far as the interpretive step of understanding what the the Bible is trying to say to us is uh, what they taught us in journalism school. Uh, If you're going to report on a particular story, you needed to answer some basic questions. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. If we take a look at a particular passage and apply those same basic questions and not just kind of leap ahead into, well, I think this is what it means, but slow down, take a look at it, say, okay, where am I in the Bible? What kind of literature is this in the Bible? Is it historical? Is it poetic? Is it prophetic? Uh, You know, you know what is going on historically at this moment? Uh, Why would God or God's people say something like this in light of the historical moment that they're in? What were the words that were chosen to convey the particular passage? Uh, Were those uh, words chosen for you know a very nuanced meeting? Are they very Uh, just broad and and open to interpretation, Mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, You know, we we go through this, and we dig down, and then we've got an idea of what the passage says. Mm -hmm. Now, once we've gotten to what the passage says, we just don't want to stop there, because if you stop there, you end up with a kind of a dry, dusty, sort of academic uh, approach to the Bible, and the Bible's a living book. Uh, You know, as our friend Levi Lesko often once said, the Bible... 
uh, seems boring to you, the Bible's not boring, you're boring. Uh, if the Bible seems dead to you, the Bible's living and active. Guess who's dead? Uh, so when, when we take a look at the Bible and we take a look at what it means in interpretation, the next step is application, putting it into practice within our lives, asking the question, so what? And maybe that's the most important question we can ask after our journalism school questions on a particular passage. And if we get to that point, then we're going to have just a very rich experience uh, with God's Word. It's going to suddenly take on a a depth of meaning uh, to us, uh, not just in terms of informing our understanding as to who the true living God is and what it means to know Him in a personal way. Uh, it, It will also give us a great deal of confidence knowing that if we're allowing the Bible to interpret the Bible, then we are on track. Uh, If I'm allowing, say, my pet pastor to interpret the Bible uh, instead of taking a look at what the Bible says about itself, uh, then uh, we're on shaky ground. We should always be able to say, uh, if someone says, well, why do you take that particular position on that passage? You know, why do you say, uh, for instance, that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why do you take that to mean that God's love is available to anyone and everyone? Um, you know, well, we look at some other passages, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. And so we have a self-verifying passage check going on there. It kind mm-hmm. of keeps us on our GPS. And then we can say, okay, what difference does that mean to me in life? Okay, God loves everyone. God wants everyone to know him. So committed to that, he gave his son so that it would be possible to have a relationship with him. Well, the first application point is, have I received that love personally? If I'm told that that love is available, it's available for me to receive it, and the Bible defines receiving it as praying and asking the Lord to save us, come into our hearts, uh, well then... Uh, have I done that personally? Uh, you know, then it can take a step beyond all of that. If God loves the world and all the people in the world, well, then maybe it's a good thing for me to tell other people about it as God provides the opportunity and, and be able to have the joy of seeing somebody else come into knowing the, the love of God within their lives. And, and so you see how the process works. Uh, you know, again, uh, it's uh, so important for us to understand that interpretation without application is just dead Bible study. The, the Bible's never intended to be approached simply on a purely academic, uh, intellectual level. Uh, but uh, the Word not only has to change us, we have to understand the Word as God intends it, that we understand that there's one intended meaning of the Scripture, and that's the meaning that God has given to us. Our job isn't to try to come up with my theological scheme and my takes and and what my neck of the church woods believes and defend it at all costs. My job is to say, okay, God, what did you mean in this passage? And then secondly, what then does that mean to me? So that interpretation and application are really, really key. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that can be intimidating, but I'm, I'm confident in saying we have God's grace, right? As we seek him diligently and humbly, because it can be intimidating, like I don't want to handle the word because I don't want to take it the wrong way. But there's, we have God's grace as we grow in that. Because I know I look back a few years and I see 
versus differently now. Sure. And you've even said that yourself. Oh, I, I, keep, I, I keep a uh, file in, in, uh, in, in ready uh, access just to remind myself that some of the stuff that I taught even when I was in seminary, I don't yeah. believe anymore. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I just, you know. Yeah, uh, information. And, 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 and so, uh, you know, it's, it's really important you know, for us to realize that, yeah, you know, there's this wonderful promise that, that Jesus makes in John 16 that says, uh, I have so much, so many more things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. Well, probably truer words were never spoken. Yeah. God showed us all of his truth right now. We, you know, our right. brains would probably melt. But uh, that he said, but the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Mm. You know, you'll take a, what is mine and share it with you. And I like that, you know, the Holy Spirit is there to lead us into all truth. God is more interested in us understanding his truth clearly mm. and personally than we are in receiving it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Very good. Yeah. Thank you, Fernando. Uh, Fernandez, excuse me. Great, great question. I hope that helps you out. And once again, everyone, send your questions in. I'm monitoring those platforms. Keep the questions coming in. We'd love to get to those on our broadcast today. A uh, question from Craig. How are you doing, Craig? Thank you for your question. Um, he asked, didn't God say that he was sorry or regretful uh, about creating man in the story of Noah? Um, in reference to... process that, I guess? Yeah, I, I made an offhand remark when making the illustration point of John 3.16 that God didn't regret creating us, and mm. he then references Genesis 6.5. Genesis 6.5 was in reference to mankind's rebellion before the flood and after the uh, trend set by Cain not in reference to John 3.16, right. as far as God's motivation to save us. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, when we take a look at that passage in Genesis 6, it says that God was sorry that he made man on the earth. Well, does that mean that God, some people will ask, made a mistake, that he was kind of kicking himself for making human beings? What is it, where are we supposed to take and understand that statement? Read the whole verse. Violence was on the face of the earth, and mankind was literally on the verge of wiping itself out. Because sin was so prevalent, he had to intervene. Right. It's not as if, oh, I had only thought they, things would get this bad. Obviously not. If, on the other hand, we look at the flow of the context, Genesis 6 starts with godly people, the godly line of Seth, marrying into the ungodly line of Cain, and as a result, their offspring are walking away from God. Now, note that when popular people are ungodly, families are ungodly, there's not a lot of godly left everywhere. Right. And when ungodliness runs rampant, it's not a pretty picture, and God would have an emotional reaction to it. But yeah. if, on the other hand, we ask, so would that invalidate your interpretation of John 3.16, given your offhand statement in direct contradiction with Scripture? No, because the next... Well, the chapter continues on in knowing that Noah found grace in the eyes of God, and also anyone who listened to Noah was also shown that same grace, not because they were any great shakes, not even that Noah was any great shakes. We know that right after the garden, yeah. he had his character defects too. But the point being made is just that. When we're talking, make sure that you give us at least the benefit of the doubt of what we're talking about, not just that, oh, you said those words, I remember those elsewhere. Yeah. Why did I bring those words up? Yeah, and, and I, think it's, I think it's a good question because it, it illustrates something. God cares about how we behave. Mm. It matters to him. Uh, he has an emotional reaction to all of this. You know, we were talking about this in uh, Ezekiel uh, chapter 7 uh, on a Wednesday evening where uh, God literally said, you know, I've been crushed by your behavior. He, he spoke mm. as if he was feeling the same sort of emotional devastation as a husband would be to a wayward wife. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the the idea that the the creator, the maker of the universe, could care mm. uh, about us on that particular level, uh, I think, is an incredibly important s- scriptural principle for us to understand. And we see it uh, brought forth there in Genesis chapter six. Certainly, doesn't uh, mean that uh, that God uh, didn't care uh, about the people that were going to perish in the flood. Obviously, He did, but He wasn't going to force Himself on them either nor would he have considered them beyond saving. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. 100, 120 years, they had Noah as a preacher of righteousness. Yeah. Anybody who wanted to take God up on his offer of deliverance could have. Right. Right. Read in Hebrews 11. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Craig, thank you. I hope that uh, helps clear that up for you. Thank you for your question to being part of the, the show today. I have a question from Gabby. Hey, Gabby, hope you're doing well. Uh, what is the best way to witness to someone who says, I believe in God, just not religion? Um, and I believe in evolution as well. But um, I guess even without the evolution part, I have people near and dear to me who say, yeah, I believe there's a God, but all this church stuff won't do you any good. You know, the religious part of it. Well, yeah, it's the best way to minister you, to someone. You basically answered it is, okay, they mentioned they believe something that's been handed to them by the world. Let's get it onto something we actually know something about, like God. Yeah. If they are against religion in general, just ask them what specifically they think about God. And if you have more reason to believe the things you know about God, whether it's in the context of religion or not, share with them those reasons. They might find out they uh, believe more in religion than they think. But when people bring up, and again, it's a very tried out uh, cliche at this point, I love Jesus, but I hate religion and all these other things. You hear that so often. I don't like religion either. (laughs) Well, it's lost all meaning because basically it makes the assumption that any sort of structured belief or approach to God in and of itself is going to result in legalism. That's simply not true. James said that man's religion is taking care of widows and orphans and their need and, you know. Keeping oneself unspotted from the world. Yeah, and that's, that's all that we mean. So if they've been put off by the word religion, then just focus on the one word that they used in a positive sense, God. What do you think about him? You know, I can tell you a little bit about history, this specific God who revealed himself in history and the reasons I have to trust that. Give them a reason for the hope that's within you. If they want to take a rabbit trail off into evolution, trust me, I've, uh, I've had fun with people who thought they knew more than they thought they did on these topics, but it never went anywhere. On the other hand, you can start a conversation about God. That's a lot easier to get back to Jesus, and that's when the conversation becomes meaningful. Yeah, and uh, you know, when uh, Gabby, I think that's a great question because sometimes people will use that idea of, well, you know, I believe there's a God. I just don't like religion. It's almost like a deflector shield. You know, yeah. it's like uh, I like the concept. There's a God out there someplace, but I'm really not uh, all that uh, excited about the idea that He has some claim upon my life. Right or maybe a different opinion about how I'm living my life yeah. than the one that I'm living. Uh, you know, I find that it, it, when that comes up, one of the great questions to ask is just that, to, to ask questions rather than make declaratory statements. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to say, well, could you define for me, uh, I, I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from, what do you mean by religion? Mm-hmm. And let them 
share their two cents worth. You know, oftentimes what they will say about their bad taste in their mouth experiences as far as religion is concerned are the very same things that we would agree with or that even Jesus would agree with. You know, if they say, well, you know, all these people just, you know, they, they come up with their own ideas and their own, you know, things and all these, you know, real strict structures and just it's mm-hmm. about controlling people and stuff like that. And right. I don't like that. I said, well, you know, you're in, uh, you're in really good company. Uh, you know, Jesus didn't really have a whole lot of use for that as well. Uh, he talked about how the religious rulers of his day, the scribes and the Pharisees, first he called them hypocrites because they were game players. They yeah. were just wearing a mask. Who they were in reality was very different than the way they presented themselves. He talked about them laying heavy burdens on people's shoulders and not lifting a single finger to help them. Mm. You know, and, and he was absolutely not impressed with that. Yeah. Um, people who perhaps out-Bible the Bible in terms of uh, their religiosity, Jesus really didn't have a whole lot of tolerance for that either. Uh, in Matthew 15, uh, he was talking to these individuals who were worried uh, that the disciples had dishonored God by not washing their hands properly before they ate. Properly. You know, and, and it's not that Jesus was against <laughs> the proper hygiene, but they by that time they had a very elaborate process. Uh, it was a ritual before you ate. Uh, you would say, blessed be uh, the Lord, the King of the universe, who has blessed us with the washing of the hands. And that's not found anywhere in Scripture, by the way, but they added it. And they would pour a little bit of water into the cup of one hand, and they would pour it back on the other. Then they would pour a little water on here and then catch it on here so that they covered their hands, and it would be this, yeah, this, this specific elaborate... angles to their hands, specific kinds of pots that you had to use. Yeah, this, yeah. And, 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 you know, when Jesus said this, hypocrites, this is Matthew 15 and verse 7, Jesus' answer here, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Mm. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Wow. Yeah. You know, so if someone says, yeah, I was involved with this church, and you know, pretty soon they were saying I need to have this personal uh, discipler who would tell me if I could buy a car or not, or who I could date or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I would be the first one to agree with you. But like you mentioned, Sean, I think the key principle is just to say in these conversations, isn't it amazing how different Jesus is than all of that? And get someone to consider that Jesus isn't some religious stuck up mucky muck, you know, wearing a you know big suit with a impressive looking hat and waving right. incense in front of him and on all of this. That's not Jesus. That's not who he is. Yeah. So I don't you know, know who that would be. Yeah, no. <laughs> probably be the high priest and the Pharisees. And they're, here's a little spoiler alert. If you've never read the gospel accounts, they're not the heroes in the story. Right. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, Great. Well, thanks, Gabby, for that question. I hope that, that helps you out there. Um, Pastor's got the people are crying out for a prophecy update. Um, <laughs> they're crying out. <laughs> I might be exaggerating. Just one person, Deborah. Asked. <laughs> I might have stretched that a little bit. Yeah. Um, very dramatic. Deborah yeah. says, yeah, that's me. Um, uh, well, Pastor Scott. Th- there are a few I could get into. Yeah. Well, she asked specifically yeah. about, um, There's a. Uh, what are your thoughts on Israel building a space telescope by 2026? It was all over the news. Any prophecy regarding space in the Bible? Regarding space? No. Regarding Israel? Yes. Yeah, a lot going on, in fact, in Israel right now. Yeah. Um, Israel being a part of uh, the space race, uh, you know, I, as far as that being prophetic in some sense, I, I don't 
I don't see it there. Uh, there's yeah. an awful lot of things about it, other things about Israel that are prophetic yeah. in that sense. Uh, you know, I, I will bet you dimes the donut holes. Someone is going to try to fold, spindle, and mutilate a few scriptures about, uh, you know, worshiping the hosts of heaven or something yeah. like that and trying to apply it to all of this. It doesn't have anything to do uh, with uh, scientific uh, research. Israel's going to launch a orbital uh, observatory. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, awesome. They're able to do that. As far as things in Israel and in that region, there are significant. Um, some things as far as a prophecy update mm. is concerned. Do you realize there have been over 7,700 aftershocks uh, since uh, the uh, earthquake in mm. Turkey and northern Syria mm. on uh, February 7th? 7,700 now. Uh, the largest has measured 6.4 on the Richter scale, it struck a city in uh, Turkey on Monday, uh, killing six people, took down a number of buildings in this town. Uh, it was, uh, you know, felt uh, across Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, and Egypt. It was that strong. These earthquakes that are happening in this region are particularly devastating because uh, geologists, we call them shallow earthquakes. Mm. Uh, the plates that are being moved are relatively close to the surface, mm. and as such, the, the amount of violence in the shaking. It's not just mm. a rolling sort of an earthquake. And if you're from California, as I originally was, you're a connoisseur of fine earthquakes, mm. you can say, oh, this is kind of a roller, or boy, that was kind of a jolt, uh, you know, or, you know, that, that, that one was pretty brief, and this one's kind of going on for a while. I mean, you, you get kind of used to yeah. uh, the, these different qualities of these earthquakes, but the devastating thing about this this area is because of the shallowness that's involved and devastating, uh, you better believe it, the death toll of the original earthquake has now risen to 45,000 people. Which is uh, six, maybe nine times higher than it started. Yeah, when we first yeah. broke the news to you, I remember that the death toll was originally estimated at 3,000. Right. Uh, I thought I was taking a pretty liberal guess that it would probably triple that. Mm. Well, uh, we're over... 15 times uh, that original death toll in this earthquake. Mm. And it's just interesting to me mm. that nobody seems all that interested in talking about it. Uh, Joel Rosenberg on his allisrael.com website. Is it .com or .org? I always get that confused. Oh, uh, but, uh, but on All Israel, uh, he talks about uh, the fact that the Bible does speak about earthquakes uh, being a sign, one of the birth pains in Matthew chapter 24, we are also told in uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 11, that following the, uh, the uh, death, uh, the, the assassination of the two witnesses, the two very Moses-like and Elijah-like prophets, maybe they are, in fact, Moses and Elijah back to do this. I think that's probably likely. Yeah. Uh, following their death, they're lying in state in the city of Jerusalem for three and a half days. Uh, they'll come back to life. The Lord will say, come up here, and they will rise. Uh, the entire world, we are told, are going to be observing these two lying in state. They're going to have a satanic Xmas uh, where they send presents and gifts to one another because these two prophets, they think, are finally out of their hair. Then they sit up. The breath of, of life from God comes into them. They are brought up into the presence of God uh, while the whole world watches. And I always think, you know, boy, you talk about an interesting prophecy update. Uh, we've only very recently in human history come to a place where secular people could watch an event that took, takes place in one place of the world on a global scale. We now have that ability and then some through the Internet. You don't uh, even have to have a legal cable. 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, following that, we are told that a massive earthquake hits Jerusalem. A tenth of the city falls and over 7,000 people die in that earthquake. So uh, that's one uh, example in prophecy about that in uh, the, uh, I believe it's in Revelation chapter 6, when it talks about the meteoric bombardment of the earth that is going to take place uh, during that time, uh, that uh, it it speaks about every island uh, and every mountain being moved out of its place. Uh, And uh, one of the things about earthquakes, that's really a bizarre uh, phenomena associated with it, especially if you've been in an earthquake and you're from Mexico City. Mexico City is built on a giant lake bed, in an ancient lake bed. And uh, when they have an earthquake down there, it's particularly devastating because the silt that uh, the city is built upon uh, actually liquefies for a time. Uh, you know, it, it no longer has the solidity that we would associate with it. It's almost like being on like uh, soppy mud, if you will. Mm. Uh, and so the Bible does tell us that these sort of things are going to happen. And this is probably a heavenly heads up, a preview of coming attractions about just how devastating these things are going to be. Israel uh, last night uh, targeted uh, a uh, strike on a drone, a meeting of drone experts who were gathering for a powwow in Damascus, Syria, including several members of the uh, Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, a number of them, including eight high-ranking officials from Iran, were killed in this uh, particular intervention uh, by uh, Israel. Per their policy, Israel's uh, neither confirming or denying they had anything to do with the attack. Mm. But fascinatingly, uh, Iran has probably had enough of this and is now offering uh, Syria uh, their uh, close to state-of-the-art uh, air defenses that they've received technologically from the Russians. And if that happens, that's going to be a game changer in that region. I don't think Israel is going to allow uh, such things to be brought in and, and to be made operational, which is going to bring Iran and Israel more and more into some serious uh, headbuttings. Mm. Uh, we talked about uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's justice uh, reform. Our good friend Amir Sarfati uh, gives us some clarity on this. Some people have asked questions exactly what is this judicial reform all about and why is everybody having an eight-day fit? Mm. Uh, well, uh, the bill is going to limit the expanding of power of Israel's judiciary By reducing the types of laws the high court can review and taking the power to appoint judges away from other judges and putting in the hands of the legislature. Now, there's going to be a second and a third reading of the bill and a vote on it that's going to go into effect. The first reading passed over two to one. Mm. So uh, Israel is going to, I think, end up being more isolated as a result of this. Uh, The United States has already uh, decried uh, this uh, particular development, uh, the UN Security Security Council has talked about meeting in session about such a thing. Uh, so keep an eye on that as to how all of that is uh, going to go on. Uh, as we mentioned earlier in the week, uh, the International Atomic Energy Agency, the IAEA, has confirmed that Iran, uh, they have proof that Iran has uranium enriched to 84%. If you get it to 90, that is enough to make a nuclear bomb. So uh, there's no reason for anyone to have even 84% enriched uranium unless you're trying to build a bomb. That's the only feature for all of that. 
Uh, and interestingly, again, uh, Amir Sarpati, and uh, I would highly recommend uh, you check out his BeholdIsrael.com website. Uh, he has also said that uh, there is a plot that has been uh, uncovered by the Mossad that Iran is mapping the location of high-target Jews outside of Israel for assassination if, say, for instance, Israel goes after uh, some of Iran's nuclear facilities. Uh, so uh, interesting uh, development indeed. Our own Biden administration is apparently pressuring the UK to refrain from designating the Iranian Republican Guard Corps as a terrorist group. Now, I think that's pretty interesting because we, as far as our State Department is concerned, consider them a terrorist group. Uh, the European Union's parliament has designated them as a terrorist group. The only reason I could see the United States pressuring the UK from refraining to do so is they're trying to have a bone to throw to the Iranians to try to get them back to the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the so-called nuclear deal. Uh, but if uh, Iran already has... Um, 84% at a minimum of enriched uranium, uh, that cow has already left the barn. Mm. So uh, a lot of other things going on. The United States warning China about supplying arms to Russia mm. for the Ukraine. Uh, <laughs> you go on Twitter, you see trending subjects. It's always a little disconcerting to me being a kid that grew up during the Cuban Missile Crisis and so on yeah. to see this label. World War III is trending on Twitter. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, once again, a lot of uh, saber rattling that is going on there. Um, plagues in various places. Now people are saying we have to be concerned about the Marburg virus. Uh, Ebola is a version of the Marburg virus. Apparently there is another outbreak of this in Equatorial, Equatorial Guinea. This is a bat-borne virus. Uh, that has already taken nine lives in that uh, country. Another 16 cases are being investigated. It's a, uh, it's a really awful form. It's called hemorrhagic fever. It uh, causes, uh, your, causes your it's internal a... organs to basically liquefy. You bleed through almost every orifice, and uh, you die very, very quickly once you have this. But it tends to burn out rather quickly. It hits hard, and then it burns out. Mm. Um, once again, that's being talked about. A friend of mine who is an ER doc uh, here in town says, uh, don't be surprised if you hear more about Marburg viruses mm. and the need for vaccination for Marburg viruses in the future. Mm. So mm. Uh, plagues in various places. Jesus said, look out for them. The end is not yet. But when we see these things, yep. start looking up for your yeah, redemption yeah. draws near. Yeah. So, yeah. How I know it's, we can't say, only the Father knows, but how bad... Is it going to get before, you know, we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture that the church will be caught up, you know, before the great tribulation. But how much worse is it going to worse get? Worse than now. Yeah. And will continue to get worse until further notice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that there's a couple of things we need to keep in mind along that line. First of all, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we are told that the one who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the man of sin will be revealed uh, that the Antichrist cannot come on the scene as such until the church is taken away. Uh, the interesting thing about the church, this interesting group, largely Gentiles, but obviously some Jews who have uh, a relationship with Jesus, mm. is that we have a function in this world that's twofold. First of all, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, we're the light of the world. Light keeps darkness at bay. 
mm. uh, where the salt of the earth, salt was an important preservative of that time and hence incredibly valuable. Roman legionnaires, believe it or not, were paid with blocks of salt mm. uh, as far as their wages were concerned because mm. it was such a valuable trading commodity. So if you've ever heard the expression, so-and-so is worth their salt, yeah. that's where that expression came that's from. That's how you pay the stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I give you a little Morton salt. Yeah, thing, you say it's and, biblical. Yeah, I'd say, there you go. And, <laughs> uh, but never mind, we could, we could digress. <laughs> digress, yeah. But the, the bottom line is, uh, we the fact that we are here tells us that things are bad, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Yeah. Uh, this world, I think has been accurately said, is as close as a saint will ever get to hell right. because we live in rebellion against God. Uh, we see the sin and death principle yep. at work, not only in our own lives, but across the board. All creation groans and travail until now looking forward to the deliverance that God is going to accomplish uh, and, and work out through us as the sons of God. Uh, the, 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 the fact of the matter is we do live an enemy occupied territory and he has an agenda to steal, kill and destroy. And so things can and are, it depends on where you are in the world, pretty bad. Yeah. Um, you know, depending where you are, uh, receiving Jesus, your savior is the death sentence. Um, you know, we do see these tribulation previews, but the interesting principle of birth pains is also a part of this as well. Uh, you know, the, when Jesus talked about the beginning of sorrows, he talked about it being like labor pains, which build up to a fever pitch and then subside for a while, but get closer and closer together as the big event draws near. When we believe the big event is the return of Jesus for his people at the rapture, we're going to see these signs of the times becoming more and more pronounced. So to answer your question, uh, can things get worse? Sure. Will things get worse? Probably, I think those labor pains are going to be yeah. more and more pronounced, but they will not become so bad that it will it will uh, rival conditions described in the tribulation period right. until we're out of here. There is a limiter on how bad things are really going to be. Yeah, you know, and and then obviously there's that other scriptural principle where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. God is holding back to give people the opportunity to receive him. And it's his kindness that leads people to repentance. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whatever your takes are on uh, reports of revival going on these days, uh, I think revival should be a personal experience we all have in our lives daily. Right. as the Lord revives us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're seeing a tremendous uh, a wave of new people coming into our church and making decisions for Christ. And, and uh, I believe that that's a result of just the faithful sowing of the good seed of the word of God and prayer yeah. and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it becomes more pronounced and visible. And sometimes you're just in a season where you're in a faithful planting, a faithful sowing yeah. season. Doesn't mean God isn't working, but uh, you know, we yeah. tend to get all jazzed and excited when we're seeing something happening. I love seeing things happen. I think we are seeing some things happening. But uh, the, the most important thing is this, is uh, not just to say, oh, well, I hear a revival's happening over in this particular place or this college. The most important thing is to say, man, Lord, revive my heart. Yeah. You know, I, man, I, I, I don't want to be dead. I mean, when you have to revive something, you're either unconscious or, or they passed away. I, I want to have a, a living, growing relationship with Jesus every day. Mm -hmm. And then if God wants to do that uh, with other people too, Oh, more the merrier, you know, but 
But let's make sure it starts with us, yeah. you know, not just say, oh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to pray. And, you know, if a bunch of people start meeting down at uh, Reed Park and praising the Lord. Then we'll know revival is finally coming. Right. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. It's based on numbers, right? Yeah, it needs exactly. to be thousands exactly. of people or whatever. Yeah. Not that I'm opposed to that. I think it'd be great. Yeah. And, and it's a morbid aside, but still one that we need to take to heart because we look at the world as a whole. And it's very easy, myself being an American, we live in an island of relative freedom and ease mm. as far as Christian yeah. persecution is concerned, yep. in an ocean of overt and downright malicious opposition to the gospel. Right. When it comes to the United States kind of going the world's way, we're simply seeing what's been going on, on, and off, both in and outside of the church since the start of it, yeah. in Acts chapter 2. Yeah. So obviously this isn't to bum you all out or make you just kind of consider or regret being a Christian. No, just be thankful that you have the opportunity to live in good days like we do now. And yeah. If they continue, all the better. If they don't, what did we expect? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm really excited uh, about the message for Sunday. I know my wife Pam always says, you always say that. Yes. If I ever <laughs> and stop saying, keep saying it. I don't I remember ever, you ever saying, I'm really <laughs> If I ever say, if bummed you out. quit saying that, uh, then it's time for me to get out. Go back to the drawing board, uh, but, I guess. But uh, yeah, but uh, the, we're going to be going through Acts chapter 7, uh, where we see how the Holy Spirit came upon a young man whose previous qualifications were being a waiter, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. uh, and used him to absolutely blow the minds of the Jewish people, uh, the Jewish leaders uh, of Israel, and how the Lord just opened the doors for this man to give an example of speaking the truth to power, uh, being willing to accept uh, whatever consequences would come from speaking the truth to power, but seeing the ultimate power that we need to be concerned about is our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a beautiful picture where Stephen, right before he is stoned, uh, says, I see heaven, the heavens opened, it's not that he was looking up to heaven. He saw the heavens open spiritually, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. A little mm -hmm. preview of coming attractions. Don't tell anybody, but one of the points we're going to bring out is this. Why was he standing? Because mm -hmm. he's usually portrayed as seated at the right hand uh, of God, which is a position of power and authority. One of the insights that I, I read in one commentator about it uh, was this. He was either standing because he wanted Stephen to know that there would be no separation, that he was ready to receive him, that uh, he was going to fall right into his loving arms, which I think is a very cool thing to think about, especially if you think about what your death situation is going to be like. Mm -hmm. That's where Jesus is going to be. But the other thing that I thought was really cool was one commentator said uh, it was as if Jesus was giving him a standing ovation at the mm. end of his message huh. and at the end of his life. Well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yes. It just makes me, it chokes me up <laughs> yeah. to stop and think that this guy lived his life in such a way that Jesus would look at him and go, yeah, yeah. and even stand up yeah. over that. So a lot to learn from Stephen, and I hope I can get through the message without yeah. <laughs> yeah. becoming a bawling mess. <laughs> uh, a, a tissue for Pastor <laughs> Scott. <Scott's laughs> very cool. But very, very cool stuff. Yeah. Well, that'll be Sunday here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. If you're in the, the Tucson, Arizona area or the same channels you're joining us on, we go live for our services as well. So join us as we continue our study in Acts. Sounds like it's going to be a beautiful and emotional uh, message there. Very good. Um, we have a question from Yari came in. Uh, uh, Yari says, speaking of the Bible, a man at our church a while back gave his testimony that he was healed from a tooth disease. And he even said God blessed him with a gold tooth. And Yari saw it. 
and the dentist said he never saw anything like it. How should I go about this scenario? Biblically, should I believe his testimony or take it with a grain of salt? The dentist dentist has never seen a golden tooth before, and Yara, you saw the gold tooth. You didn't see the, what is it, uh, the alchemy that uh, transformed, I assume that's what he's claiming, his regular filling into a gold tooth. Nothing like that is biblical in any way whatsoever. It's a very common, and I'll be honest with my words here, a very uh, common con that people try to use mm. to manipulate people. Well, our, our, our old friend Adrian Van Vactor, yeah. uh, the magician, talks about how that sort of thing can be accomplished through sleight of hand. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah. even in the case of the tooth, you can buy a golden tooth. That, that's not something that's impossible without the intervention of God, nor does anything about that confirm or verify his word. So if we're asking the standards by which God always performed miracles in Scripture, that's not lining up biblically. If we're asking the overall purposes or the reason why God would intervene as far as either a fulfillment of prophecy, showing God's faithfulness, or in an ultimate alignment with what his character is going to do in this situation— that's not in alignment with anything biblically. That just seems kind of like a wanton showing off of something that we don't see anywhere else. That's not biblical. As far as the listings of the sort of things the Holy Spirit's going to do in our day and age, it's not listed as far as turning non-gold uh, things into gold things. That's not biblical. Nothing about this is biblical. Now, again, we don't despise prophecies. People are claiming to share what God has done and God has spoken to them personally. But we test all things and hold fast to what is good. And in this case... This isn't good. This, along with many other people who are doing this thing, is, oh, well, God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and God wants you to uh, just take pouring wise. out. <laughs> All these other things. I'll take the wealthy if we're giving it up. Even God's desire to be wise, that's ripping out of context what God specifically did for Solomon in light of the life of King David. I can speak of my father. His name was not David, nor was he a son of Jesse. If, on the other hand, I'm supposed to expect that of me. I can't justify that in a plain reading of 1 Kings chapter 3 in regards to the first question we answered on the broadcast. So taking this all into account, oh, you saw the gold tooth. Okay, well, much like what we've encouraged with the uh, Asterbury revival, have a healthy amount of skepticism for both the bad and the good. That's key. He's claiming that this gold tooth was magically transformed, or let me use his term, miraculously transformed, in order to show that he had healed him from the tooth disease. Neat. Where's that in Scripture? Mm-hmm. Because that's how I understand what God has done and what man has claimed God has done. It's not. But on the other hand, you'd said, oh, well, we can verify it with the medical records. What, that you got a gold tooth? <laughs> I can do that right now, and it won't be the intervention of <laughs> God. It'll be the invention yeah. of the doctor yeah. or the dentist. Yeah. Uh, there's a some groups that make a very strong distinction, but uh, I, I don't want to be an anti-dentite here. Uh, when it comes down to the real issue, yeah, to Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Like that. Oh, okay. Comes down to the real issue, though. Yari, <laughs> you're being conned. Don't buy into it. I don't believe a word he says, and Scripture doesn't line up with it. And I think that's a good enough reason. As far as uh, other people, where it's like, oh, I, a woman prayed over her house plants, and they survived for years until recently, or you know, all these things. You say take it with a grain of salt. I'd say dip it in it and watch it disintegrate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Yari, uh, when it comes to people making miraculous claims, mm. does God do miracles? Yeah, yeah, God does miracles. Yeah, you know, and I can, and I have shared before on this broadcast a uh, miraculous intervention of God in the life of my own dad 
that was verified uh, by a very secular oncologist. Uh, no explanation uh, for uh, the, the direct, dramatic, divine intervention that happened with uh, God healing my dad from a, a tumor that had compromised his adrenal gland. Right. Which is uh, biblical. And, and the, the fruit that came out of that was that my dad, who I never thought would give his life to Jesus, realized that there was a God, that that God loved him, that, uh, that the prayers that, we, that I had offered in Jesus' name had a big part to that, and he wanted Jesus in his life. And so, does that kind so, of miracle line up with what we read in 1 Corinthians 12? Absolutely, gifts of healings. Yeah, but as far as other signs and wonders, and this is where it gets tricky because can God do this stuff and do you want to limit God and so on? Right. Hey, I'm not going to tell God his business, but this is God telling us his business. That's the in Deuteronomy 13, <laughs> it says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder, like, oh man, this tooth or, or something like that, and the sign of the wonder comes to pass, okay, say there's, medical, uh, you know, verification that this happened. Of what she spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. Mm, his now, voice. Now, the, the key issue in all of this is uh, God telling his people there are going to be people that do seeming signs and wonders. Uh, our own Adrian Van Vactor, as we mentioned, can yeah. do sleight-of-hand stuff that just boggles your mind. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the fact of the matter is, you know, is it real? Is it not? What if it was real? What if something supernatural happened? Well, the supernatural in itself doesn't amount to anything. Yeah. Well, lines up with God's word. Where it points you, and that's right. God's word. Amen. Great question, y'all. I hope that helps you out. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. God bless you God guys. Bless you again. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.